Hello, welcome to our new episode of CVS Patchum, dear listeners, uh, the podcast about transatlantic security and American foreign policy. Today is 22nd of February, and uh, it's been a while since we recorded our last episode. Unfortunately, but we're here to catch yeah, up. Yeah, we're here to discuss a lot of topics. I guess uh, we're going to start with uh, like the biggest event, I guess, in transatlantic relations and especially transatlantic security, the Munich Security Conference. Which took place uh, last week. Last week, but right now we are going to catching discuss. up and analyzing yeah. everything that happened. Yeah. Um, yes. Then we discuss some military issues in America, as usual, and maybe a little bit talk about Syria in the and the recent last developments. Yes. Yeah. So let's let's start with uh, let's start with the Munich Security Conference. So Baba. It's been a while since it took place, but I guess it's important. Yeah, it has been one week, but I think it's yeah. maybe it's beneficial for us because we have the whole picture to yeah. analyze what happened. And, well, um, this shows some disunities yeah. uh, within, yeah. the, within NATO and yeah. in transatlantic relations. We could see that basically Europe and the U.S. have a completely different view yeah. on how the relationship should look like, and and they have yeah. completely different agendas yeah. and and basically uh, interests. Yeah, I guess this it was like a very kind of famous moment when the Mike Pompeo gave a speech. Yeah. And he talked about like no, it's I mean the the whole name of the security conference was something like Westerners, something like this. Westlessness. West, Westlessness, yeah. So it's like just uh, this twist that the West is very weak, it's not united, and it faces with a lot of problems. And yeah, how we and how we should address this. It like was the main topic, and then there was like an address of Mike Pompeo, and he basically said, "Well, we are very united, and kind of try to." Uh, emphasize that we are very united, the West is winning, and there was like no applause and nothing, you know, there was like, um, like it was silence after his speech. So, yeah, sort of Pompeo said the West is winning, but you can see clearly that yeah. most of the European leaders uh, understood that, well, what Pompeo means, West is winning, is the US is winning. Yeah. Uh, the exactly. Europeans feel, I think, neglected by the yeah. US. Yeah, I guess that's one point, uh, and we see this in every aspect, from like relation, relations with Russia to relations with China, and of course, the US tries to be kind of like this masculine, aggressive, like Trump, you know, and try to like send this message, uh, it's, it's uh, we're investing a lot in our military, and you should be okay and fine, because we are okay and fine, so it's, it's, it's not about Europe, it's about us, uh, America. And we're gonna protect you and everything. I think it's fine. So yeah, but I feel the European leaders do not believe it. They believe, yeah. they think that the United States will not come uh, to the help of Europe should the need yeah. arise. But uh, let me play the yeah. role of the devil's advocate here. And are those concerns really uh, something yeah. something real, supported by arguments? Because uh, well, let's face the facts, almost none yeah. uh, NATO members meet the required 2% of uh, GDP yeah. for military spending. So if you do not invest yeah. into your own defense, why then you should be screaming at the person, yeah. hey, you should be defending me when I'm not defending yeah. myself. Plus, is the US commitment yeah. in Europe really uh, 
decreasing. We could we can see the uh, recent military yeah. maneuvers, the defender the defender year of twenty twenty. The Americans will be basically yeah. practicing uh, deploying an entire division to Europe and then conduct yeah. military maneuvers. Couldn't we say that it's an example of U.S. No. involvement in Europe? Yes, I guess the U.S. Uh, pays a lot of attention to European theater, but it's not it's it's not about like, just involvement, but the like the way maybe U.S. addresses those issues, and it kind of tries to push like American like European position you know, aside and say like because we invest so much and we should. So it's it's all on us, and you don't care, you know. Like you are kids, and like we are like adults in the room, and like we are going to to, to cope with these problems. So it, it it still it has this idea of like European sovereignty, which like mm-hmm. doesn't like really exist. Uh, but uh, like you know, like a lot of people try to frame it like this, especially Macron, okay. and say it's it's European. Like we should have like this common uh, military agenda because we should have some common sovereignty and. Uh, we should address this issue, through, like and the security issues, right? Common goals. Not look, uh, not kind of try to um, focus uh, specifically on American position, but try to like figure out where we belong to and where we like stay with our own position. Yes, it's about this this issue. I mean, Macron like and defended his European like his uh, position vis-à-vis Russia in the conference in Q and A quite like uh, section. And it's also interesting that Macron was applauded yeah. hugely. He received ovations, yeah. basically. And in comparison to Pompeo, yeah. no reaction. It's uh, interesting. I guess it's one of the most uh, important issues is like relations with Russia. And I guess it's it's kind of normal that uh, Europe has less belligerent approach because I mean it has something to lose. It, it's it's actually very close to Russia. Yeah, and, it would be know, any, a theater for any major conflict for it, sure. Yeah, it doesn't want to uh, increase this like war kind of like stakes and kind of push Russia towards like actual military actions. It it it, it should have some like this um, appeasing position. I mean, Europe is also it's, it, it is considered to be like very like real liberal power in the world. It shouldn't be so belligerent as the U.S. Of course, because it's actually kind of ironic when you say yeah. appeasing position in terms of Munich. Conference. Yeah, uh, Munich I mean, and appeasement. It doesn't not, make a good. It's, it's hard, yeah, it's hard word in uh, international relations debate, I guess, appeasing, but let's say accommodation and stuff, you know, yes, something yes, like yes. You, you should be, I know what you mean, you should be involved and you should have, you should have talks and you should like have a dialogue because you, you could not imagine, you know, relations like uh, the EU Russian relations completely bro. I mean, they're completely broken kind of right now, but they try to restore them and try to somehow connect dots and make sense of these relations. I guess it's interesting when like we touched like this question, there was like this, I guess one of the biggest uh, um, issues of this conference was like this uh, report that they issued. It's like, it's called uh, 12 steps, uh, 12 steps toward greater security in Ukraine and the Euro Atlantic region. And this uh, report was, um, it was prepared um, um, with like with uh, some help from Russian side in terms of Russian think tanks, which of course have links to Russian government and supposed to be Russian government is like any kind of like uh, uh, any think tank in Russia, and so 
basically uh, they deleted this report from like official web page but of course like this report is, like can be found online and like uh, different platforms yes, everything that goes online stays online yeah i mean and also like there like a lot of organizations were involved in um, uh, in making this report so it's not like just like the, the security. So what's so special about it? Why did it get guess, deleted? So the, it was it was the whole backlash against this report from American side. Uh, uh, and I mean, if you read this, it's basically just kind of neutral position. Yes, we should work towards some like towards towards some uh, common goal. You know, to re to to end this conflict to restore the relations and to try to make peace in Ukraine. It's nothing like very special, but uh, it was like a, a Poroshenko who had like a very fierce uh, comments about that this is like pro-Russian propaganda and how you, how dare you to publish this, you know, in like this. Uh, and like they felt, I guess like Ukrainian side felt a little bit neglected, maybe mm -hmm. because they weren't involved uh, in this, in the frame, they weren't involved in making this, in, in, in I'm making this report and yeah and so they deleted it and then there, there was like a big debate about I mean well, how 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 can you talk about the sovereignty if you delete you know this report even though yeah. it's like primarily European centric conference which kind of tries to emphasize that there's not not only the US but there's also Europe and there are also like different kind of stakes and different kind of interests in Europe yeah I mean but it shows like this, I guess, again, this unity because they mm -hmm. prepared this uh, uh, document. Like a lot of uh, specialists, like from Great Britain, uh, from Germany, were like involved in this, um, um, in making this document. And you see like, how they stand like different on different sides of the spectrum, completely different position, and still like primarily dominated by American. You know, Amer what America says that like, how it determines like this transatlantic relations still. You also mentioned that British experts were involved in drafting this report, yeah. which brings me to the topic, why was there no Great yeah. Britain yeah, representation in the conference? It, it, uh, because I guess it, it tries to solve its own issues. Uh, it's Well, I think time. maybe the conference would be a good place to solve those issues because yeah. now that they left the EU, they, they are their the own EU. player and then yeah. they basically exclude themselves from a major international yeah. relations event which could basically help them pursue their own policy but yeah. they did not pursue it well i guess like the main issue for britain is now to have uh, like to strike to strike this agreement trade agreement with the european union and they have a lot of debates they have a lot of like they have very different positions on yes, this, this on this true. On this trade deal, I mean, they basically, I guess, like the last thing they said, they want like kind of same agreement, trade agreement as as uh, European Union has, like with Australia, and then you uh, uh, like I feel like representatives of the European Union like said, oh, you know, we don't have actually trade agreement. Yeah, with we Australia. have no trade agreement. Exactly. It was like kind of like the moment of silence, and you just like understand <laughs> that they have such like different positions. Totally. And, and they should strike this agreement during like this year, you know, so same situation with, I guess, Brexit. They're going to postpone it a couple of times, I'm pretty sure, because it's not possible to... You mean the transition period, right? Yeah, transition period. Um, and there's so many issues, labor issues and like climate issues. Oh, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, and they have a lot of their minds right now. Yeah, it's just, yeah, they basically, 
I guess with this uh, Brexit thing, they kind of emphasize that they more rely on like America and American security right now, at least. And they don't care about like European security, I guess, anymore. Or at mm-hmm. least they don't care in in this in the scope that they uh, would care if they still if this if they were still the part of European Union. So yeah, makes yeah. sense. I guess let's uh, it's let's discuss also like events in Germany in terms of uh, like the resignation of AKK from like not resignation, but he's not not resigned yet as the leader of. Um, uh, Democrats, mm-hmm. uh, German Democrats, but uh, like she stated that she's not going to be the leader in any time soon. Now she picks a successor. And yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. It's interesting because like this news. I mean, she's like the defense minister, and she also attended like Munich Security Conference. It's it's also interesting that uh, like the security conference took place. Uh, uh, I mean, this like debate in Germany about the next uh, leader of uh, the ruling party, so to speak. Yeah, it's important for the entirety of the EU, Germany yeah. being the probably the biggest player yeah. in the Union right now. And the future of this country is right now not certain. Yeah. So basically the German Christian Democrats, uh, I think they s- maybe realized that... Uh, separating the role of the chancellor and leader of the yeah. party was not a good idea. That's basically yeah. what she said while she announced she would be stepping down. Um, and I don't think we have any uh, particular candidates that are yeah. uh, in our sights right now that yeah. we could say, oh, this guy is probably going to be definitely the new chancellor. So the fight for the chancellorship, ch- chancellorship might be fierce, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, I mean, there are some guys that announce they're going to run for this candidacy. I guess the problem is they have like completely different polarized opinions. Yeah. Some people say, yeah, like uh, CDU should move uh, towards right, should take some votes from AfD because AfD becomes like more and more powerful. Yeah, the rising power. Uh, or some people say, yeah, no, it should actually take more like left-leaning uh, position. Maybe like think about like this condition with the uh, Grüne or some other like parties with like this uh, leftist. Uh, leftist agenda, so to speak. So there, there are disunities in NATO, disunities in the EU, and disunities yeah. within the Christian Democrats in Germany. So it's what, what's called uh, westlessness. 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 Perhaps yes. that's true. <laughs> We're not saying for sure, but perhaps. Yeah. Uh, yes, I guess. I guess that's it's for European part. I mean, there are some talks about budget talks also in, in Brussels taking place right now. Um, oh yeah, uh, but it's this is pretty, another topic. We could totally devote a separate episode about the yeah. I guess talks. let's let's stick to security this time. Uh, it's also interesting to to admire how it's going on. Uh, it's also and about the budget because now they need some money because uh, Great Britain left. Yeah, yeah. I guess we can discuss the budget when the talks are closed. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to be soon, I guess. It's just like first uh, period of talks. Yeah, it just begun. Now they just try to make some concessions, then go back to their parliaments. And they're like, uh, well, it's it's tough to get a budget for seven years, right? And yeah, seven so many countries. States. And like some countries to fill up. Yeah. Yeah, want to pay more, some countries want to pay less. And you always have, you always, I guess you're going to have like Germany, you know, stepping in and say, yeah, we're going to pay more. Of we're going to bail you out. <laughs> next time, we should increase your budget. I mean, this is what like, happened next, next the last, last time they uh, struck this budget. Okay, let's switch to uh, some American news. 
Let's we go have ahead. a lot to discuss. I guess uh, the biggest news last week again was uh, that they drafted, they proposed, uh, Donald Trump proposed new budget for 2021 fiscal year. True. It, it, this is like the budget that has a lot of differences from the budget of this year. And the first thing I can I can notice that's uh, the significant increase in spending on uh, nuclear capabilities and nuclear weapons. So, like the budget for nuclear weapons, like they propose it to be fifty billion dollars. So mm-hmm. it's like pretty much the budget of uh, I don't know almost Russia, like Russian budget, for example, or any other kind of big power, so to speak. Well, I'm sure that the increase in budget on nuclear weapons is aimed at Russia, precisely. Yeah, and. China and Russia, yes, I guess I guess the whole budget is framed uh, in this uh, sense of great power competition. Mm-hmm. And you can see that, I mean, for example, when they take China, they want to emphasize this, like, this goal to increase the number of ships, yeah. uh, like, till 2025, I guess. And there's, like, a big debate with the Secretary of Navy, that, like, yes, we should like, do so much to do to do this, so we should cut down some spending on, like, other issues in order to build this, actually build those ships uh, in those five next years so and next year, you know, to catch up with, like, our goals and aims. Uh, and then you have, on the other side, you have this, uh, like, Russian uh, advancements in, like, nuclear technologies. Yeah, and, rocketry. Yeah, and they want to, of course, like, to cope with this issue by investing more in nuclear weapons, but this is like significant budget. So it's interesting to say that the US found itself in a situation where they have to tackle two major opponents, Yeah, it's which is totally different from the Cold War, they just had one big major foe, and now yeah. they have to, they have both China and Russia, so they spend more on nuclear weapons to deter Russia, they yeah. spend on the Navy to yeah, contest the Chinese in the Pacific. So, is this maybe more than they can handle? Do they have to choose Um, one opponent they want to focus? I guess actually, what what they what they argue like the the percent that they spend on military actually decreases from overall budget. Mm -hmm. But I mean, because America has like such a significant economy, it kind of can handle this. Like what they argue, of course, because like the percentage actually decreases. I guess it's like something like now we're at 3.6, maybe something like 3.4, something like this. So they don't increase like in terms of, they don't increase military budget uh, in terms of like percentage of like actual uh, total budget. Mm-hmm. That's what they argue uh, because American economy is doing great as we all know. Uh, but uh, it like, also account for inflation. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, this is another thing. But I guess it's, it's all the debate uh, whether you actually want to increase this competition because for example with military uh, with, with nuclear stuff uh, once you like you increase you increase your nuclear budget and you don't you're gonna have some retaliation from Russia so Russia gonna spend even more and then you're gonna have this like new arms race as it, as it is framed and like the question of whether you actually need this because it only pushes you towards like actual war then towards like some peaceful uh, peaceful uh, uh, coexistence. Well, some people argue that the arms race during the Reagan period basically yeah. uh, allows, the, uh, allowed the U.S. to win the Cold War. Yeah, this. Well, still, the U.S. economy is way stronger than the Russian one. Yeah. So, I guess uh, if Russia wants to follow yeah. in this race, then they will have 
sufficient economic uh, problems by and keeping up. But this is what's called this asymmetry of relations, like now, because it's not about to be like Russia doesn't want to be competitor of uh, like of the U.S. or like even Putin states every time like we don't try to compete with the U.S. Like, but first of all, like they have like like kind of trying to form this alliance with China. Uh, it's a big deal because it's like the first time in ages, you know, since 50s when you see like this uh, kind of like close rapprochement between uh, Russia and China. Yeah, ever, ever since Russia moved away from Stalinism, yeah. the relations weren't that good. And I mean, Russia has a lot to offer if we talk about China because Chinese military capabilities, like missile capabilities, anti-missile capabilities, they're pretty like. No, not very advanced, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, Russia right. has technology that they could offer to yeah. China, which could hugely boost their military capabilities. Which is, again, kind of debatable in Russia. It, I mean, it would be if Russia were a democracy, because like you basically sell your with, like the last advancements that you have, and, yeah. you know, and China is developing so fast. And and, well, Chinese are masters at reverse, copying, yeah. reverse engineering. So if you sell them your weapons, you're basically yeah. selling your technology. And they can basically build yeah. on that. And if they continue to grow faster than you do, they may, be, yeah. uh, out, they may outpace you in the future. Yeah, and that's maybe, uh, I guess, like Putin like, they had like this big interview to Financial Times like last year. And they asked him about, like, probably you put all your, like, all your eggs in one basket with this Chinese cooperation. And then he said, like, well, we, have, uh, we don't have other choice, you know. It's like what we kind of like, America's make us like, cooperate with China because you see this very aggressive belligerent policy. And we have no other like, choice to to cooperate with China, kind of like maybe you can you can feel like some trading uh, opportunities for America that he stays. So yeah, but let's let's come back to American budget, I guess. Yes, sir. Uh, what else uh, we could? I, I I personally can notice this increase, like the most significant increase in research and development, almost one billion dollars. Uh, and it's first of all connected to this, like the program of automation of American military, mm-hmm. you know, Navy and Army uh, and uh, space, uh, space Force. So like just the idea that you should have more autonomous vehicles, we should have like more advanced technologies. And I mean, like now America has like definitely most advanced technologies and uh, autonomous technologies yeah, in, in the world. Yeah, but the Space Force did not receive such a huge funding. No, I mean, it's just, uh, it's like the research and development mm-hmm. part. Yeah, I guess they also want to focus on the next generation bombers being developed, yeah. the B-21. Um, yes, this, 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 this is as well. Hypersonic weapons. Uh, yes, this is also a big deal. Uh, what else? And of course, the naval presence. Uh, as you said, automation. So they will be yeah. aiming at decreasing the number of uh, yeah. personnel on uh, vessels and basically making their crews smaller, yeah. which, for example, they were uh, success- they successfully conducted with the introduction of the Gerald Ford-class carrier. If you compare it to the predecessor, the yeah. Nimitz-class, the Gerald Ford-class is bigger, but requires a smaller crew. So the level yeah. of automation is, is visible here. Yeah, it's, it's a big step. I guess it also requires more, more uh, knowledgeable crew and personnel. True. Oh, with some skills, uh, IT skills and stuff. Yeah, this is another part of this budget. But of course, we should also think about this budget going to be uh, debated and going to be drafted together with Congress and uh, House of Representatives. And we're going to see a lot of concessions, not a lot, but some concessions. Probably, probably. yes. But it's still interesting to just 
have a like overlook how like uh, White House thinks and uh, Department of Defense uh, how it how, how what outlook it has about the world and like this great power competition yeah yeah uh, I guess uh, American issues I we can I don't know let's uh, Senate adopted uh, the war power resolution act which is not binding not binding and I guess like Trump gonna gonna veto it uh, but I mean it still sends like very clear message to American president uh, that it's like uh, bipartisan kind of act that tries to tries to say and tries to like send this message we are going to uh, like we don't accept the war any kind of like war uh, situation with Iran and the war scenario I guess uh, also overall sends a message that the president has too large authority in military matters that yeah he is too independent from the legislative yeah I mean what but basically they try like they're trying to do would take back their like their responsibility to declare war and say like you shouldn't act uh, I mean it's not about like, Trump like doesn't even need to declare war but any yeah, kind of like development can lead to war but what they want to say it's it's in, it's in the power of Congress to, to do this not in the power of president yeah um, yeah, and what do you think about, like, we have this topic uh, with new security, like the intelligence security, uh, what's the, his position, I forgot. You mean the ambassador to Germany? Yeah, uh, no, no, he's, yeah, he's ambassador to Germany, but he's going to be acting uh, director of intelligence or something like this. Yeah, basically the chief of the U.S. intelligence yeah. agencies. Uh, but he still stays in I guess in Germany as an ambassador. This is so a very, far. very weird decision. Yeah. I cannot comprehend it. So first of all, uh, Trump nominates a person who, well, he's loyal to yeah. him, so I guess that's a major factor. Yeah. But a person who has no experience in intelligence or military efforts at all. No, no, yeah. Or who knows, he was an ambassador, so maybe he was an agent. I don't know. But officially, yeah. <laughs> he had no experience in uh, yeah. intelligence matters. And plus, he will still be remaining the ambassador to Germany. How are you supposed to run the country's intelligence agencies if you are not even there? I don't know, but he's gonna be acting. So uh, they promised they promised to nominate uh, like the real like, the director of intelligence mm. soon. I would say I don't know, but he I guess he's he's just like a military guy in the past. So the only thing he can do is just like to say yes. Uh, I agree with you, Mr. President. And yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Sir, yes, sir. And this is, I mean, this gives you just like an idea, like what kind of people Trump needs. It's not people who are he's a loyal person. Loyal, like, and and he was marked by like such like stupid comments about Germany and like yeah. I guess German, like just. A German foreign ministry kind of hates him. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, because he's definitely not very welcome in, in Germany. But okay, like that's I guess all about American news. I guess that's pretty much it. So far, like, there's like democratic uh, like, debates happening and stuff, but we I guess we're gonna omit this uh, because yeah, uh, for now there for are now. many developments. I guess. Yeah, I guess it's an interesting topic about Bloomberg and maybe his position, but he was basically smashed by Warren in this like, last debate. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, I don't know whether he still has a chance to, to, to become a, like, a, a Democratic nominee. I don't think so, but maybe he's going to like run as an like, independent candidate 
let's see. Which could influence the outcome yeah. of the elections. It's a spoiler. Pretty much. I mean, he's kind of like Trump guy, you know. He's like just I'm rich. Yeah, Trump guy, but from different political. Yeah, kinds. I have nothing to lose. Uh, and he used to be Republican, as far as I know. So it's, it's also like he's not so leftist. You yeah, know? yeah. He's like a just billionaire, multi-billionaire. Multi-billionaire. Right? He has too much money anyway, so why not spend on a campaign? One more billion just on campaign. Uh, yes. I guess the last thing that we can discuss is developments in Syria. So yes, I guess let's how, jump to it. How do you feel about this? Uh, some intense stuff going on there. So yeah, so for example, we recently had a standoff between pro-Turkish forces and Russian yeah. forces. So uh, at the request of the Syrian government, uh, the Russian Air Force conducted airstrikes yeah. on the pro-Turkish forces in Elder province. Um, it was pretty intense because yeah. the uh, pro-Turkish force actually fought back, firing missiles at the yeah. airplanes. And they tried to to try to shoot it down. Uh, yeah, shoot, shoot down Russian planes. <laughs> it's really really intense. Imagine yeah. imagine uh, imagine had they been successful and killed the Russian pilots. This the this would have been yeah. intense. Uh, that probably would be same situation as in 2016 when they shut down. Uh, yeah, they shut down Russia. Shut down Russian plane. Uh, I guess it's almost uh, it's almost the war between two sides, but because of this, and, and I don't know, one. Uh, like uh, because of dictators in power, I guess, and all they, I mean, they think about you know international politics like a 19th century perspective. They're like, I we they, they don't care about people like on the ground. Yeah, the state just, is the. Yeah, the we most just important issue. we just care about the geopolitics, you know. Like people, people like don't matter. Like <laughs> it's all about. I mean, our... the Russian-Turkish relations right now are yeah. so complicated. Um, I wonder if it's like Putin's Putin's grand scheme. So he sells weapons to Turkey, yeah. thus complicating the relationship between Turkey and NATO. And then he basically has Turkey as an opponent right yeah. now. Uh, Turkey has bad relations with its allies, and yeah. well, if there's some escalations, I don't know. Putin may be in, you know better position here. But I guess yeah, Putin just basically won this war already. So oh yeah, you he have, did totally. Like this one province, Idlib, uh, which is in like in control, in controlled by uh, separatists. I mean, Russia yeah. claims they claim them uh, Assad regime claims them as terrorists. But whatever, so basically one province, and that's it. Like the war is actually over. Like so, at this point. what do you think will happen when the Assad forces actually take control of the entirety of the country? How will Turkey react? Oh, How will the this, Kurds react? I guess the first things on like this, the the first thing on their agenda is to find some budget and to find money to invest in in the in reconstruction of Syria. It's oh, yeah. obviously true and I guess like the Russian problem is like Russia doesn't have such money because it, can, it has a lot of economic problems. Russia has external problems, yeah. Totally. Yeah, and it's not like a, it's not a big power in terms of like its economic influence. It, it doesn't, it couldn't give you know, a couple of billions like the US, like whatever, like yeah. yeah or European Union. Uh, and I guess the idea to cooperate uh, at least with the European Union, with you know Macron, America, like Germany, France, some like try to find some kind of common ground and say yes, okay, like look, the war is over. You have no opposition there, no terrorists. Like let's let's invest, you know, like to prevent like further like you know terrorism, whatever. So this could be uh, another 
issue on which the US and the EU will disagree yeah. because the US is hugely anti-Assad. And well, Europe is also anti-Assad. It's not just but but Europe, Europe has interests in yeah. ending the war in Syria yeah. and actually providing humanitarian yeah. help to Syria to stop, for example, the influx of yeah. uh, of uh, migrants and yeah. refugees. And probably they want to send back those refugees because a lot of refugees there, like in Germany and in other parts of the EU, uh, with this agreement to come back, if you know, situation is fine. So, so do you think that if the war ends pretty soon, totally, and the government controls the entirety of the country, all those people will be coming back? No, I don't think so. You don't think I, so? I, I don't think it's realistic. I don't. I don't see how they force them to do this. But they probably kind of like launch some program with like assistance. You can mm, give you money, back, yeah. yeah, like come back. It's like the war is over. Try to like build some, you know, life there because we have problems here. And I mean, you know what happened like in Germany, this uh, uh, far right extremist uh, terrorist like who killed like twelve uh, people, something like this. Yeah, all based on racial. Grounds. Yeah, and this is probably going to be even more intense in the future. We don't know. Uh, and I mean, there are a lot of like radical right people in Germany, I believe. Yeah, there are uh, some. As in any country, you know, but you still see like the German nationalism, it still, it still has its place. And I mean, actually, AfD has almost like 25 or 30 percent support. It's a lot. It's, 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 it's a lot. lot. It's, it's not totally like a marginal opposition party. It's know. a power that has to be considered. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I guess it's like a danger to, to, to frame them like as fascist and kind of push them towards like this right extremism. I mean, the AfD themselves, they basically, they don't call themselves nationalists. Yeah. I mean, they say they're conservative, but they're, they say that they're not racist, yeah. they're not nationalists. A bunch of people, some of them is just former CDU members, you know, some of them like actual nationalists and this, I mean, they also like have this power struggle inside their party because there's so many... Yeah, it's uh, also not a unified camp, yeah, totally. Yeah, and they have different outlooks on how, on how their party should, party should look like. But I guess it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting question, but it's gaining power and thus, like, like the German government should do something with that. I mean, couldn't neglect like you know, like the biggest opposition party, which has like thirty percent of support. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yes, I guess that's it for today. I don't yeah, know. Pretty much, we discuss. Can wrap it up. Yeah. So have a nice uh, weekend, nice week. Yeah. Take care. Uh, and uh, well, I guess before we sign off, I guess we can also make a small announcement yeah. that we launched a Twitter account. If yeah. you wish to follow us. We'll be posting updates about new episodes or yeah. if there are some breaking news on security issues that yeah. aren't often they're not covered in mainstream media, but maybe yeah. interesting for people who are interested in security. So yeah. uh, if it's something that you like to follow, then head over to Twitter. I guess we can link it in oh, the description. Definitely. Of the episode, I, I guess. Yeah, and also we should uh, we should publish some documents there. I yeah. guess that we discuss. And uh, I guess you know, it'll be a nice outlet to keep in touch with us. Yeah. So, and you can also ask some questions there. Yeah, if probably you have any. we'll answer anything we can. So subscribe, uh, rate us on, on uh, any platform you listen to us, and see you. Yeah, hear from you soon.